the very latest from our local ag industry. The Farming Show with Dylan Honkoop is next on KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM and KGMI.com. Looking to improve your comfort and save money? Start with your home's largest energy consumer, your heating and cooling system. Hi, I'm Brad Barron, CEO of Barron Heating, AC Electrical and Plumbing, with a check-all-the-boxes solution, the Daikin Fit Enhanced Heat Pump. This compact, all-electric system utilizes energy-saving inverter technology to efficiently heat your home in winter and keep it cool during the summer. Delivering year-round comfort, the Daikin Fit Enhanced Heat Pump is environmentally friendly, exceptionally quiet, and maintains consistent temperatures. Plus, you can save up to 30% with the 25C tax credit. Right now, Barron's Same as Cash offer allows you to make a difference with no out-of-pocket expense. Pay no interest and make no payments for 12 months. Lock in 2023's prices and pay nothing until next year. Save energy, save money, pay later. Why wait? Call Barron today about the innovative Daikin Fit Enhanced Heat Pump. Barron, your full-service HVAC electrical and plumbing contractor. Our mission, improving lives. Don't put your golf clubs in the closet this winter. Take them to Volley Entertainment and Sports Bar in Bellingham. And this Thursday with PNW Perks, you can check out Volley for half the price. Virtually play some of the world's best golf courses with Volley's state-of-the-art golf simulator. And the whole family can have fun with their brand-new blackout mini-golf nine-hole course. Volley Entertainment Center and Sports Bar is adding more entertainment than ever. Blacklight miniature golf, pickleball, cornhole, ping-pong, pool, shuffleboard, a state-of-the-art golf simulator. Plus, there are TV screens all over Volley. Enjoy the 16 taps of local craft beer and snack on their great bar food. Plus, you can book your birthday or workplace holiday party at Volley. This Thursday with PNW Perks, you can get an hour on the golf simulator for two, plus a round of blackout mini golf for two, and you'll get it all for half the price. Head to pnwperks.com this Thursday at 8 a.m. to get in on the fun. Check them out in Bellingham or online at volleybellingham.com. Hey, let's talk farming for a little bit. What do you say? I mean, this is the farming show. Often, though, we're talking about issues that are challenges for the farming community. We talk about political issues um, and other crises. But what's just going on in the field? You know, it's been a while since we've gotten an update on that. Welcome back uh, here on KGMI this morning. I am Dylan Honkoop, and this is the farming show. Well, let's just... Well, talking, you know, talk farming like we're in the coffee shop together this morning. And joining us uh, on the phone, uh, agronomist with CHS Northwest um, in fields all over Whatcom County. Clay Pell, welcome to the program this morning. Got some rain overnight. Things getting kind of soggy. It's actually been a pretty darn good last month or two, though, in terms of we've gotten some moisture, but not too much. And that's helped the the corn and the potato harvest. What are you hearing from those guys out there? Yeah. Uh, Good morning. Thank you for having me. You betcha. Uh, Yeah, it's it's been, I'd say, a welcome welcome thing to have some moisture finally. Um, Definitely could have used a little bit more throughout the summer. (laughs) Yeah. but we got some some really timely rains, and uh, that definitely benefited the growers. Um, there was some fields that suffered. Um, I would say just dried up pretty quick. 
Yeah. Um, but, but these later rains, um, help to, uh, settle the dust. And, uh, I think, you know, really help to finish off some of these crops here. Yeah. And, um, well, I guess first, cause even, you know, you're never done growing crops, right? The minute you get that harvest off, you're probably putting some kind of cover crop in. If it hasn't already been seeded as a relay crop, say in corn or something else, so we can talk about that. This weather has been good for that. But first, you know how, let, let's start with corn harvest. I know people are still digging spuds. Um, I don't know about as we speak because of <laughs> of the rain uh, we've gotten, but um, still in that harvest. But let's start with uh, the corn first. Th- those guys are pretty much, I mean, there are, I think, a few fields still out there standing, but they're just about done. And I've seen a few celebratory posts about it on social media the past <laughs> week or so. Yeah. Uh, you know, I... It seems I just saw a field or two uh, as I was driving the county that were still still standing, but um, by and large, I'd say most everything is um, off. And uh, you know, I don't know if it was necessarily a stellar crop, um, but I, from the sounds of it, everybody's pretty pretty pleased with um, the overall average of of yields. Um, Everybody was able to get it off uh, so far in a timely manner um, without having to mud mud through the fields. Um, so I'd say all in all, you know, given given early weather conditions and and some of that drought that we we endured, um, we were able to evade the smoke cover that we've got in the last couple of years. Yeah, yeah. So I I, I think overall um, we had a pretty pretty decent crop this year on on the corn. And for folks who don't know, I mean, almost all of the corn in Whatcom County um, that's grown uh, is for cow feed, for to feed the local dairy cows that produce the milk that we're famous for uh, here in this state. Um, so it's it's a little bit different corn. It grows a little bit bigger. It, it's a little bit starchier. It's not as sweet. If you eat one of the ears, you kind of be like, oh, that's pretty boring. Um, but it's put up then. It's, it's run through a, a forage harvester, which chops the entire plant, ears, kernels, leaves, stock, and all uh, into small pieces. And then that's put up in, in bunkers, bunker silos, uh, and covered kept without oxygen uh, so it can ensile basically making cow sauerkraut just if you're new to this whole farming scene around here that's how it works that's what we're talking about when we're talking about the corn crop it's ultimately cow food and growing corn clay um corn likes a couple of things it likes heat units right it likes the sunshine and the heat but it doesn't like it too dry it can it can withstand some dry, but as you're saying, you know. So this year we had the heat units, right? And that corn right. was rocking pretty early on. After, I guess if we go back to the spring, it was a cool spring until all of a sudden it turned, and then we had a hot, dry summer, right? So, you know, the corn liked that part of it, but it didn't like you're saying it didn't like the dry so well. And all in all, that's kind of what a a so so corn season then this year. Yeah, I, you know, I, I you say so so. I I would have to say this is probably one of the best corn years that I've seen um, up here, at least in in my time. Yeah, that's good um, to hear. You know, and there may may have been a few other years that were uh, comparable, but mm-hmm. uh, just in in the last you know eight ten years, I would say this is probably one of the the top crops. 
Um, just overall, we, we were able to, uh, we were, we were at a deficit for early precipitation. Um, we had rain up until kind of planting season, but uh, we were at a shortfall, so it was made things a lot a lot easier to get into the fields and start yeah. turning dirt. Um, and there was really no delays in planting. We were able to, once the weather turned, um, things got uh, pretty nice, and we were able to um, consecutively get, get corn in the ground around the county um, without many delays. We didn't have too many late uh, frosts. Or, or cold snaps that slowed things down. Um, and the temperatures, daytime temperatures got up pretty quick. Yeah. I think the, the evening temps um, were a little misleading um, to where we weren't getting the, the heat units that maybe we, we necessarily uh, were anticipating or expecting to happen. Um, but as a whole, I, you know, we, we were able to get things going. Um, I would have, anticipated maybe having the the crops finish off a little earlier than they did um but i think again that was kind of that those early early weeks of of cooler evening temperatures that uh slowed things down a little yeah well it was amazing corn planting season you know like you said when it went when it got planted things went pretty well and that was evident and it happened fast you know it was there was some waiting around and when's planting actually going to start and the soil temps were low and all of a sudden it was go time and then it <laughs> just seemed like a few weeks later and wow it's almost all done uh, which is good to off. see after you know in recent years we've dealt with all kinds right we've had springs that are so wet um, I can't remember if that was uh, last year or the year before anymore. It get, all gets to be a blur, but you know, where you're fighting muddy fields and you can't get things planted until through June and even into July, if I recall, was that last year? And then we yeah, had these. That was, a, that was the last year yep. that we had that situation. And we have, and then we had, you know, too dry um, last year as, or, or the year before as well. I, it, it's. It, there's the ebb and flow around here, you know, with growing crops and, and you know, again, the corn likes the heat, um, but if there's too much rain in the spring, bad for planting and also in the fall. But thankfully this fall, it doesn't sound like too many people had to, as they say, mud it out. Um, the, the, if that corn's standing out there and suddenly you get a bunch of rain and you need to get equipment out in the field to chop it up and uh, up and harvest it and haul it off, it can be a real mud fest, and, and we've had years like that recently too, where you know it's rigs chained to other rigs to just pull through the field and get the crop off. Thankfully, it doesn't sound like it's been that bad this year. No, it definitely hasn't been that bad this year, and I don't expect to see much of that. Yeah, well, to, and, la- to occur. and last harvest season, last fall for corn and particularly potatoes. And the opposite problem that we usually do, which was it was too dry, <laughs> you know, and it was a dust right. bowl. And I remember, you know, my uncle out at EB Farms having to run water like crazy just to get some, you know, the soil was so dry that they needed a little bit of moisture in it to break up the clods of dirt that had hardened, hardened in the summer heat. Uh, so they'd be able to get in there and dig the potatoes out and have their harvest. This year seems to be a little bit more balanced. It's not a mud fest, uh, but not a dust bowl either. Again, Clay Pell uh, with us right now here on the Farming Show on KGMI. 
I'm Dylan Honkoop. Um, kind of going over how harvests have gone, catching up on what's happening in the fields of Whatcom County. Um, Clay, what about the spuds? Have you heard much from those guys? I would be, imagine that they were okay with how things have gone, but um, I haven't heard a ton myself. Yeah, I uh, I don't deal directly with the potato growers. Um, one of my colleagues works pretty pretty close with them, and, yeah. and from everything I understand, they've had a, a pretty phenomenal year. Good. Um, it, it's conditions have been right. Um, growth has been been good, and right like you said, the the fall um, everything is kind of panned out where we've got adequate moisture. Um, I just saw some diggers going, uh, yesterday, in fact, trying to wrap things up and yep. trucks are moving like crazy down the highway. So <laughs> getting the potatoes in the shed, hopefully before it does get too wet. And it does sound like we have a wet system coming up a little bit later in the month. So people probably keeping their fingers crossed and digging as fast as they can. So they don't get behind, but they should, <laughs> I would imagine be getting close. You know, I, I think they are getting close. Uh, I know I'm seeing a lot of cover crops popping up. Um, there's there's always there's, – the workload's never done. Um, yep. But I think we're getting closer. And I very seldom do we get falls like we had last year where yeah. the, uh, the weather will just drag on and on and on and uh, stay pretty dry and um, yep. average temperatures rolling into November. So um, – so far, so good, uh, but uh, the horizon is looking pretty pretty wet, and it sounds like they're calling for a pretty neutral temperature uh, winter and, and pretty wet as well. So Yeah. Well, I mean, on the whole, we'll take the moisture um, because, you know, I know our aquifers have been a little bit lower than normal. I know snowpack has been behind. We need the moisture in the long run, um, and... Like you referenced last year, how dry it was, that made it tough for those cover crops that you just mentioned. And it seems like some years, you know, it's too wet for the cover crops, too. It floods them out right away if we get dumped on in the middle of September, which will happen around here sometimes. Last year was the opposite problem. We had hardly any moisture until... if I recall, end of October, early November is when things really started to get serious for any sort of moisture that was going to turn it around. And by that time, things were so cool that there wasn't a lot of germination happening. So first it was too dry to germinate, you know, cover crop seed. And then suddenly it was too cold to germinate it, even though the moisture showed up. So it was a brutal year for cover crop. I know that led to a lot of wind erosion in some spots. You, when the northeast wind later in the winter would get going, it was so dry and cold and then dust was blowing everywhere because cover crops hadn't gotten the chance to develop that caused a problem thankfully that's not we've had a good mix again this year where you know we're getting seed germinated uh it's getting watered but the soil temp is staying up we have the we've had a few of these sunny warm days um to really get that stuff to pop out of the ground i don't know what you're seeing out there uh, but i'm seeing a lot of winter wheat that's already looking pretty impressive yeah it's the the cover crops are looking are really really nice right now I'm, I'm really pleased with how that's all popping up uh we had a couple timely rains um throughout the summer that will both helped the corn grow um as well as getting the, those cover crops established if they were um interceded by the time those rains came 
And so when, once the corn came off and things were so dry, there there was a little concern of, of how things were germinating. But here in the last couple of weeks with, with soil temperatures staying up, um, air temperatures staying up and, and the moisture we've gotten, these these crops have really taken off. And, um, you know, I, I, there's still some cover crops and new seedings that uh, I've seen going in in the last couple of weeks here. So should be yeah. uh, a, a decent establishment for those. Um, I know the feed is always uh, important for these guys. And uh, it seems like the even the last grass crop that came off was was awesome as well. The yeah. wind windrows were um, pretty substantial on those. Yeah. And so I think going into the fall, um, from what I can see, these these yeah. uh, crops are really going to produce for these guys. Well, and from what I heard, that you know, grass was pretty brutal in the middle of summer. Uh, when things were dry, I know talking with some of the custom guys, they were really slow from what they normally do just because, you know, there's limited irrigation or no irrigation on a lot of the grass fields out there, um, tends to be lower value land that grass also, again, for cow feed, for people curious, um, and put up as forage or haylage or dry hay you know, those crops were behind, so it was good that they had at least a, a good last cutting here is kind of what you're saying, right? Did that help make up a little bit? Yeah, it, it definitely, I think, is going to help uh, buffer some of that. Um, maybe the one of the higher drought um, experience I've seen in, in grass this year, um, the color of the grass was, was apparent. Yeah. The growth rate was apparent. Um there wasn't much you could do in some of the sandy ground too. There's there's yeah. not a lot that you can really do without keeping a dedicated water source on it just to keep it going. And as I mentioned, we, we came into the spring and summer uh, at a deficit. So to, to try to play catch up and give <laughs> the crop the necessary uh, source, it, it was, yeah. it was definitely a battle. Speaking of grass and cover crops, what are what are the primary cover crops out there? You know, there's winter wheat on stuff and ryegrass, and you know, what's the what's the stuff that people are putting in the fall uh, to, you know, both provide hopefully you know a first cutting of feed in the spring, but also you know soil health uh, benefits, uh, erosion control from both water and wind uh, over the winter time. What's kind of What's common around here these days for what people are planting in the fall? You know, the there's probably the two primaries I would say would be winter wheat and then uh, a triticale, which is a hybrid of a, a rye and a wheat. Um, kind of hit and miss depending on on uh, the grower. A lot of times guys will do winter wheat if they're just going to quickly turn under for some uh, – an early seeding or try to get yeah. an early corn crop in. Yeah. Um, but a lot of them, if they can get out there early enough, we'll, we'll take that as well. Um, yeah, so otherwise, it, it just becomes, otherwise it just becomes organic matter for the next planting Correct. too, which isn't yeah. a bad thing either. It's never a bad thing. It's always nice. And some of these fields could really use uh, a little bit organic matter um, moving in. But um, those are those are the primary ones. Uh, if you guys will throw in some annual rye in there as well, rye seem to uh, take off pretty pretty quick and get a quick establishment, which is always nice this time of year when you're 
kind of shortchanged on on time and temperature. Yep, absolutely. Again, Clay Pell with uh, CHS Northwest on the phone with us this morning, talking a little farming, just about out of time, actually, Clay. Uh, but real quick, um, things have, like we've been hearing, turned out pretty good with corn. Uh, going all right with spuds. They're doing good. Um, maybe not so much happiness with the uh, the blues and the the raspberries. They they struggled a little bit more this year, right? Just to sum up here in the last thirty seconds. Yeah, berries struggled a little bit this year. Um, again, you know, there, there's a lot of uh, speculations as to what the causes were, mm-hmm. um, and and we could go back and forth on on what all those were or what to pinpoint which one it was um, would, would be. Hard to say, but yeah. um, raspberries were able to, I think, come out somewhat even. Um, the blueberries definitely had a, a shortfall. Um, and so that's going to be a struggle for everybody, yeah. you know, always just looking for um, how to to make a comeback on yeah. that and, and settle out. And I've heard one of the likely culprits for the struggling blueberry crop this year was possibly, like you said, it could be a variety of factors, but possibly last fall when uh when things were dry and that's when blueberries are already working on setting fruit for the next year and they weren't so happy and healthy because things were so dry and warm so late last year but again who knows exactly what all the factors were this is the art and science of growing food clay pell with chs northwest an agronomist there thank you so much for taking the time to talk a little farming and fill us in this morning absolutely i appreciate it thanks for having me the Lummy Bay Market at Exit 260 is where you'll find more in the store. You'll find more in the store because there's so much store, almost 10,000 square feet. The Lummy Bay Market is where you'll find everything you need for on and off the road. You'll find the best value on gas and diesel, along with way more than you would expect out of a convenience store. There's a liquor department featuring a great selection of your favorite competitively priced spirits, wines, and mixers. And of course, you'll want to check out the huge selection of ice cold beer in their massive beer cave. Want to grab a quick bite for breakfast or lunch? Don't feel like cooking dinner? At the Lummy Bay Market, you'll find a great hot deli counter, including our brand new fried chicken, chicken tenders, and chicken wings with all the fix-ins. Make the Lummy Bay Market your first or last stop of the day for fuel, food, and more. The Lummy Bay Market, just off I-5 at exit 260 on Rural Avenue. Open 24 hours, 7 days a week. Lummy Bay Market, where Where there's there's more in the store. How safe do you feel? Fentanyl has crept into our schools and our community. Children, friends, and neighbors, this affects us all, and I'm frustrated with the lack of urgency regarding this crisis. I'm Hannah Ortis, and as your next Whatcom County Council member, I am committed to having hard conversations so that we can find real solutions. Our most vulnerable are depending on us to put people over politics. This is my home, and I will represent each and every one of us. I'm Hannah Ortis, and I ask for your vote this November. Paid for by Hannah for Whatcom. Cancer can be an overwhelming diagnosis, physically and mentally. Yoga offers a gentle and supportive environment to strengthen your bones and muscles. It aids in moving fluids through your lymphatic system, helping your body fight infection and disease, ultimately boosting your immune system. Free classes are being offered Tuesdays in October at Bellis Fair Mall. Register today at BellinghamAthleticClub.com because wellness is powerful. Tuning into the high school football game. 
monitoring the incoming storm. They say what I think, but smarter. Catching your favorite talk show. These are just few of the reasons more than 80 million Americans depend on AM radio. And AM radio is the backbone of the emergency alert system, keeping you and your family safe in dangerous times. Visit wearebroadcasters.com to learn more and tell us how you depend on AM radio stations like KGMI. The latest local news and important topics of the day from the West Mechanical Studio. Tired of inefficient heating, poor indoor air quality, and rising energy bills? Contact West Mechanical today to explore going ductless with a system from Mitsubishi Electric Heating and Air Conditioning. Find them at westmechanical.net. Get the latest news and information 24-7 with KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com. The opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of KGMI or the Cascade Radio Group. Just like we said would happen, farm workers coming together to speak out about a law that was ostensibly to help them to help farm workers but it's hurting them this new agricultural overtime law we've talked a lot about this on the program we talked about that hearing uh last spring um where a proposal was out there to actually ease the burden uh not just on farmers but on farm workers and allow them to make more money during busy seasons of course the uh state powers that be didn't allow that to move forward but i think a lot of folks were surprised just how much of an outcry there was at that time from the farm worker community the frustration about this new overtime law for agriculture in washington Well, that outcry has gotten that much bigger and an event this week bringing together hundreds of farm workers speaking out on this issue. Welcome this morning here on the Farming Show. Uh, I am Dylan Honkoop. Glad to have you uh, here this morning. And uh, joining me this morning is uh, State Representative Alex Ibarra. Alex, you spoke at the event. Talk about, for, and we can get into the backdrop of this issue and all the stuff that's been going on. But first, let's talk about what were these hundreds of workers saying? What were they interested in? What were they there for at this event Thursday night? Well, thanks, Dylan, for having me on your show, and thanks for the invitation. Um, yeah, so what we did is uh, we've been hearing from a lot of farm workers, from farmers. Everybody's very frustrated about this overtime bill that passed just a couple of years ago. Uh, this year, the farm workers, um, after 48 hours, they um, have to get or they're going to get overtime. And so what that means to the farmers and the farm workers altogether is that they don't get as many hours as they used to because of the law. They don't make as much money that they usually bank and they take back mm-hmm. to their homes in, in Mexico or wherever they're from. And so the outcry is, is tremendous. There was one a farm worker that talked to us that basically said over the last some years he's been working 3,000 hours of of farm labor. And he said, this year, I'm going to get 1500 Half. That's half the amount of funding that he would have. These Brutal. folks are up here. These folks are up here to make money to send back to their homes. These, here, these people are here just to work, mm-hmm. just to work harvest, not a, a eight to, to five job. 
So we're talking about guest workers as well as domestic work, people who live here, but a lot of folks who come from out of town, a lot of folks from Mexico and other countries as guest workers, they're here just to make as much money as they can and go back home. During harvest, yes. So harvest is when they make their big bucks is when yep. the apples are ripe, the cherries are ripe, and that's when they get all their hours to work and uh, make the funds that they want to make. And the farmers, at least this is what I've been hearing, are saying, we just can't afford to pay for a, a percentage of the um, the hours that the labor hours that have to go into a harvest season or a pruning season or different busy times of the year we can't afford to pay 50% more for some of that labor. We just don't have the margin for it. Is that what you're hearing as well? I'm hearing exactly that. I'm hearing that the farmers, when those folks get to 48 hours, it uh, could be noon on a Thursday, and these farmers are telling the, the employees that they there's no more work, your overtime is used up, we can't afford to keep you anymore for those for the until the next Monday. So they're sitting around all weekend long not doing anything, and all they got was 40 hours, which is a minimal amount of money. Previous years, they yeah. could work as much as they wanted and make as much money as they wanted. Well, and as I've said before here on the show, when I was young and still doing farm work, I exploited that very thing myself. Sure. I was, hey, when it's busy season and there are hours to be had, I'm going to get as many as I possibly can. Yep. But I know the farmers that I was working for, mostly my dad, but others too. <laughs> but even my dad would have said, you know, if he would have been forced to pay overtime at a certain point, he would say, sorry, I just don't have the margin. And what I'm doing for that, you you need to call it a week. Right. And at that point, yeah, I, I would have been ticked too yeah. I, because I would want to get as many hours as I can because I know it's for a short time and then things are going to slow down and... You aren't picking berries, picking apples, making hay, any of that kind of stuff in December, in January. And right. <laughs> when are you going to get those hours? Yeah, where most of us work 40-hour weeks for 52 weeks, uh, 52 weeks a year, these guys work probably for nine, nine months to eight months. Most of the hours come during harvest, which is September through November. And that time is where they make their funds after November they go to December, January, and February, there is no work. So they have to make as much money as they can to supply for the rest of the year, for the next four months, where there's hardly any work. Washington State Representative Alex Ibarra with us right now here on The Farming Show on KGMI, talking about agricultural overtime. So that's the issue to get you caught up if you haven't been following this. And certainly we've talked a lot about this on the show. What's new is there is a growing movement of workers speaking out on this and um, wanting to have their voice heard by Olympia, do some workers feel, I would imagine there's some frustration directed at the farmers too, like, hey, why are you cutting my hours? Sure. So most of these, I'd say maybe about half the workers here, half of them are migrant, the others are from different countries. So they basically blame the farmers for not letting them work. And unfortunately, it's, they have no idea because they're from a different country and they don't know exactly how the United States government works. Right. And so during this event that we uh, put together, we basically just said, it's not the farmer's fault. Whose fault it is, is the legislature to pass that law. I'm a legislator. I voted no for that particular mm -hmm. bill. Um, but it passed through from the other side of the aisle who wanted this overtime bill. And so when that happened, then... It goes into effect, and what we were. This is exactly what we we're explaining to the farm workers. And basically, what I said is, I need your voice to tell me what you would like, not somebody from the other side of the mountains telling me that's not a farm worker that doesn't know how harvest works, how people get paid, and how they do it. 
telling them over here in Eastern Washington how it works. Hmm. And that's what they're doing. Most of the people that are pushing this live in Seattle or they live in Tacoma or they live in these big cities and don't Mm -hmm. have no idea what farm farm workers go through. To me, that's offensive, but uh, I, I, not, not the first time I've said that in, on this show, uh, for people to think they know better. That's exactly the kinds of things that we hear about around social justice issues of, uh, you know, don't talk down to people, don't misunderstand them, actually hear their story, walk in their shoes, yet that's the same thing that these folks who often lecture us on those kinds of issues are doing. And I, I view this as a social justice issue, ultimately, at the end of the day. Now, I guess I haven't mentioned, we're talking with State Representative Alex Ibarra. We are here in Quincy, Washington, this morning. You represent, I, I'm blanking, what's your district number? District 13. 13. Yep, so I represent Yakima County, up, uh, north part of Yakima County, all of Kittitas County, and most of Grant County. So you grew up around here and around the farming world. You know what it's like, sure. too. So my, Just like me, working on farms, picking fruit. Yep. My mom and dad were migrant workers for many years in the... In fact, my whole family from the 30s, 1930s to hmm. 1960s. Uh, in 1960, my dad got a full-time job in Quincy, Washington. Hmm. Six months later, I was born. I was the fourth kid. And so when that happened, that we weren't migrant workers anymore, but we were working in the fields. In third grade, I was put in the fields uh, to thin and weed uh, sugar beet, um, beans, and, other, and pick fruit, pick uh, cherries, yeah apples, grapes, and so did a lot of farm working, worked in the plants uh, for packing potatoes, uh, making french fry at Lamb Weston, uh, so basically was in the ag field my whole life until I went off to college and I got a degree and got a different job. I know, um, you know, you and I have talked quite a bit. We're both, you know, small farm town kids. We grew up around that, mm-hmm. so a lot of this kind of stuff is second nature to us. Yep. And it almost takes an education for people like us to be like, wait, people don't understand this. They don't recognize that's how this works in this world, Mm -hmm. this world of farming. What are you, you're super well connected in this community. What are people talking about around town? Overtime labor for farm workers. That's what they're talking about. That's what every, the farmers are mad because their workers are mad at them for not letting <laughs> yeah. them work. Yeah. And these guys just want to work. They want to make that funds that they were making before. And these laws are not helping. Even though they say in the legislature that these laws are here to protect the farm worker, but it's not. It's hurting them. What about within the Latino community? You know, su- such a vibrant Latino community in this whole part of the state, particularly here in Quincy, as well as other spots. You're very plugged in with that community. Mm-hmm. What, what's people's heart on this? What, what, are they, what do they say? Same thing. It's the same thing. It's d- depending on who the person is, but Latino population, they want to work. They mm-hmm. don't want to stay home. They can stay home all winter long. When it's harvest yep. time, that's when they make their money. Even the folks that live in town. The folks that work in the, in the orchards in the in the ag world, that's where they make the money during harvest because they get to work a lot of hours and they make a lot of money by picking more or pick, picking more fruit because they can work more hours. That's how it works around here because that's what that's why we call it a small ag town yep. and that's how it works. They just don't know it. Now your brother and and by the way, we're talking with State Representative Alex Abara, thirteenth district uh, representative. We're here in Quincy this morning, his hometown, his home base. 
um, talking about this agricultural overtime issue and the event that happened Thursday night. Uh, apparently more events coming. Uh, workers, more and more workers across the state uh, wanting to come together and raise their voice about this issue to be heard, uh, to join this movement. Um, I was here Thursday night to see that at the park here in town, and it was an incredible thing. I I want to say in the neighborhood of 500, maybe even more people there in the park gathered around uh, talking about this, getting information, getting plugged in. Um, what's Representative Abar, what's your message to those folks concerned about that? What should people be doing about this right now? Well, I think what happened Thursday was what we wanted to happen. We, I thought there was going to be maybe 100. If I was lucky, we'd get 100 <laughs> people there to listen to the message, which was, we want to hear what you want. We don't want other people to tell us what we want in town. Yeah. We, I want to hear, since I'm a legislator and I can go to Olympia, I can carry your voice to Olympia and let them know what you folks want, not what they think you want. Yeah. So I'm going to get it from you guys and not from anybody else. You guys are the farm workers. So it has to come from you to me. And then I can really get on to Olympia and tell them what they want, not what they think they want. From. And the, the event organized by protectfarmworkersnow.org as well as Center for Latino Leadership. So people who are interested in that can go to uh, Protect Farm Workers Now. There is a way for folks to sign up to speak out on that issue. A lot of stuff available in Spanish there um, for farm workers uh, who are interested in, in more info and, and sending messages even to Olympia. Also Center for Latino Leaders. Uh, org, uh, and those folks have been very plugged in uh, to helping facilitate this kind of activity, these kinds of events. Um, I certainly, you know, I've gotten to know those folks of late, and it's been great. It's been refreshing to work with Maya and her whole team there. Um, they're doing yeoman's work uh, to to make stuff happen, um, and it would lo- I would love to see groups like that more supported, uh, more visible. Uh, people going to that community for the truth about issues rather than listening to other people who honestly, you know, there are other groups out there voicing opinions on these kinds of issues, um, purporting to speak for the farm worker community. And the more I talk with people actually in that community, they say that voice isn't legitimate. That's not their voice. They're not speaking for them. And they're pointing out these people have a different motive. They have an ax to grind. They're trying to accomplish something entirely different. And to them, it's a political game where what we're talking about here is just the true voice of the people in a very diverse group of people with a lot of different interests, but all frustrated and uh, connected now, unified around this same issue um, as you are a representative in Olympia, Representative Abara, what what do you say the temperature is there right now on this issue? Does this even come up on people's radar screen? Well, it's starting. I actually, I just talked to one of the representatives from one of our senators today, just a couple hours ago, and they basically said, yeah, this is bubbling up out to the national level, where we even heard the President Biden speak about this particular issue. Um, about they might bring overtime to across the country. And so that's probably the last thing I would ever want to see happen because I'm seeing the ramifications of that type of law coming to the state of Washington, and it's all bad. Nobody's making any money. 
they may not come back. I mean, that's the deal. Part of those workers. migrant workers, yeah. H-2A guys don't want to come up here to work 40 hours. They want to make as much funds as they can yeah. in the time allotted. And that's not happening because of this particular law. Yeah, I've interviewed a lot of guys um, actually out in the orchards in the last month or so um, in different places around the state, and they're all saying pretty much that same thing. And, and guests, you know, I've talked with folks who live here, uh, domestic workers, um, and then, you know, I've talked with with uh, guest workers uh, from other countries, and they're like, mm, we're thinking about it still. You know, I was asked that um, at the event. Um, and someone said, you know, how, what, what percentage do you, do you think of people may not come back? I said, I don't know. I think a lot of people haven't decided yet. And at least the folks that I've talked to are just mm-hmm. saying, we're going to see how this goes, but we're starting to think maybe we don't want to keep coming back here anymore, which would be doomsday for farming here in Washington to not have the people to be able to bring in the harvest. Right. Hey. Here's a perfect example. We had the meeting at 4.30 in the afternoon. It was probably 70 degrees out. It's perfect skies. And these folks were not working. 450 farm workers or so, maybe 500 or more. And they were not working. They were sitting, not making any money, listening to the the message that we sent, which is great to listen to the message. Mm -hmm. But what they wanted to be doing is working. They had from 4.30 till about 6.30, they made $0. Yeah. And, and they couldn't work because the farmers can't afford to pay the overtime. Yeah, day was done already. Yep, and versus it was 4.30. putting in the, I remember raspberry harvest when I was a kid, you know, especially when things were heavy, you just keep going. Yep. Uh, you got to stay ahead of it. And for me as a kid, as a worker, making money. I was pumped. I'm like, hey, another hour, another X number of dollars. Mm-hmm. I and, love it. And these guys are all, most of those farm workers are young folks from probably 18 to 30, just in general. And these guys have a lot of energy and they know the harder they work, the more money they're going to make. At least that's how it used to be. Not anymore. And it's because of that, the, these types of laws that are coming through the system, through Olympia, that are making their life rougher. Now they may not be coming back. And when we don't have fruit that's getting picked, all of the plants, all of the packing houses don't have fruit to pack. So they're going to go under because there's no fruit, because mm-hmm. there's not enough labor to go around uh, to pick all the fruit. And that's what's happening. And it's not so much the labor, it's that they're not getting the hours to pick the fruit. And so everybody goes south on that. And I suppose one of the driving issues on this, too, is just the price that farmers get for food, even though the, the, the numbers that people are paying in the store certainly have gone up and everyone's like, wow, food is expensive. Really, you know, at, from a global perspective, we still pay a tiny percentage of our each of our individual income to, to feed ourselves in this country. And we're very blessed that way, uh, even with the higher food prices. But by and large, those higher food prices have you know, almost none of that has transferred to the farmers. You know, talking with folks here, I know back home in Whatcom County, it's the same thing. A lot of prices are still the same numbers that we've been seeing for 10, 15 years or more, you know, and, and maybe things will come up a little bit. Some things are even the same or lower as they were 10, 15 years ago. And that drives this issue as well. You know, if there were bigger margins there, more money to be had for the food, then there would be more breathing room to make this kind of stuff happen. That's not there. So everybody's in the squeeze. You know an awful lot of farmers around town. 
are they thinking they can survive? Are they making different plans? Well, I mean, we talked about my brother Emmanuel. He had a he would hire probably a thousand farm workers on a regular basis. And some years ago, he saw the writing on the wall. He mm-hmm. saw the payroll bill coming through the system. He saw these other bills that were going to harm his business, and so he basically decided to retire mm-hmm. at the early age of forty nine or fifty. And he had plenty of years under his belt that he could have worked, but yeah. he saw the writing on the wall. And because of these types of bills, he decided to get out. And there's a thousand workers he hired on a regular basis. They'd come year after year after year to work with him because they enjoyed working with that farmer. And he just stopped. And yeah. those people stopped coming to him. And now they have to find another employer, yeah. which and, they may not like as much. And I'm hearing a lot of other farmers too say, I'm not sure how long we can keep doing this. Yeah. And, and one farmer that I was talking with at the event who was there and, and helped kind of get things ready. He said, you know, I'm going to have, if this keeps going this way, and especially if next year it goes down to 40 hours a week, as the law is scheduled to do, he's like, I'm going to have to change my business model. I'm going to have to grow different crops. I'm going to have to have a lot fewer workers, and it's going to be very different. So what happens to all those jobs and all that money and all that food that's not produced in, you know, particularly true fruit, which the state is famous for, produces the best apples in the world, cherries, and the list goes on and on from there. Um, It's a scary thing to see, and we hope that Olympia can come up with an answer that certainly protects workers' needs, but also allows them to maximize their earning potential and protects farms so they can survive the low prices and be able to stay in business here in Washington? Well, if I know your audience, they're mostly farmers, so they yeah. already know what the answer is. The answer is if they, if they can make more money with a row crop, like corn, sugar beet, beans, yeah. then you can do with apples because the, the price of labor is so high, then yeah. they're going to go there. Go to and, low labor intensity yep. versus, yeah. Yep. So then all of a sudden the grapes won't be here for all the great wines we have in the state of Washington because that gets picked, right? Somebody's got to do the pruning, and it's all those farm labor folks that come around here to do all that um, great work that they do here. 13th District State Representative Alex Ibarra with us here on The Farming Show this morning. Alex, thank you so much for your time having us here in Quincy. Well, thanks for inviting me, Dylan. Appreciate it.